Welcome to Medically Speaking, Auburn's own medical radio show with host Dr. Mark Vaughn of the Auburn Medical Group and Larry Finney. He didn't choose the thug life, the chug life, the thug life chose him. I screwed that up. I just, I completely messed We're live. that up. We're live. You have to get know, it right. I I have to get it right. Take two. He didn't choose the thug life. The thug life chose him. He's Dr. Mark Vaughn. And welcome to Medically Speaking Radio. Oh my goodness. I need to take the headphones out because I have the speech jammer turned on. Was it like the 60s again? My goodness. Did you hear that? No. I, I had to pop the headphones out because I was slurring my words. No, I didn't hear it. Oh, you'll, you'll hear it when you listen to the podcast. Okay. Hey, we have people joining us from, in fact, somebody knows the whole alphabet from Periscope. And uh, some of the people who listen on the podcast may feel a little disenfranchised because they're not live on Periscope with us, but that's the only way we can have a live show. You have volume on that too, by yeah, the way. I do. I got to kill the volume because talk about latency. Yeah. Why do you got the camera pointed at me, man? Oh, okay. Let's turn it around. Now yeah, you can tell get, what I'm doing. Now, now that, hi, everybody. That was Larry yeah. looking at his tablet while I'm looking at you, but we'll switch it back and forth depending on who's, who's talking and we'll take turns reading the comments as we do medically speaking radio for this July 25th, 2015. Is that, is that the date? Anybody know? Yeah, close enough. It is the 25th and we are glad to have people from all over the place listening to us live on medically speaking radio.com and also all over the place on, uh, Periscope, people uh, can tell us where they're from. and oh, can... That would be great. For example, it would be interesting to know where Snazzy Fox is from. Yes. And are right. they from Moscow? Are they from Paris? Anywhere in the world. London? Or... And we'll be talking about medical subjects and, and your comments and questions. Just to give you guys a little bit of background, those who don't know, this is a weekly medical radio show. Look, we have somebody from England. Snazzy Fox is from England. Oh, good. Weekly medical radio show with interaction with the audience. Somebody from Georgia. That could be either the state or the country. And we're glad to have the interaction. Uh, some people on Periscope may find it a little off-putting because we don't respond to every comment or question. And some people in the uh, podcast audience may find off-putting because we're talking to people live and they, they can't see the comments we're reading. So it goes both ways. And Eunuch Genius, we're glad you joined us also. Well, but but we can cut both ways. Our Periscope folks can also join us via um, uh, Twitter. Uh, excuse yes, me, not Twitter, but... Um, well, Periscope. Oh, yeah, they can talk. They can speak. The, all Skype. Of you, yeah, you can they speak can through Skype. Skype-ify. To Skype, you have to be on medicallyspeakingradio.com. And then you click the little Skype emblem that's on the page there. Yeah. And then, oh so, my goodness, you, Gen, Genius just uh, invited lots of people to join us and gave lots of parts. Oh, very nice. So... The, uh, the podcast format has changed dramatically with the advent of Periscope because now we integrate Periscope as much as you can with the podcast and the radio show. The show has evolved from a purely uh, live radio show on our local radio station to uh, then it was an internet-only show starting February of 2015, and now it's internet and Periscope on internet. It's awesome. It's just getting better and better and getting more and more listeners, more and more followers. If you guys want to communicate with us, you can do it live, of course. If you want to do it by email, like if you're listening to the podcast on iTunes, you can write to mark at medicallyspeakingradio.com. If you are listening through iTunes, please rate the show. We, we would really appreciate ratings of the show. We, uh, we like to put this out there for you guys for free. Uh, we would appreciate in return giving us a rating on iTunes. That would be really great because it is free. It will always be free on iTunes. Oh, and Holly joined us. Thanks for being here, Holly. Well, let's get into our stuff here. Um, 
before the show began, we talked about uh, a phenomena called the doorknob moment. Yes. It, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a thing with doctors. Am I right? And you can explain to us it's, what is the doorknob moment? Okay. Let, let me tell you guys about the doorknob moment. The doorknob moment, and I haven't heard it specifically called the doorknob moment, but that describes it perfectly. Because when you said that, I knew exactly what you were talking about. And every doctor will know exactly what, what you're talking about. At least somebody who sees patients and is in primary care where you're responsible for the care of the whole patient. I'm sorry, I need to be close to the mic to get a good level here. So the doorknob moment is describing when you put your hand on the doorknob to leave the exam room when you're with the patient. and as you're going out the door uh, and you're already thinking about going across the hall because you know what the patient in the next room has because you see it on your schedule, what their chief complaint is. So, you know, you've already transitioned, you're going and you're already in your mind composing what your note's going to say or what you're going to ask as you walk in the next door and you hear, oh, by the way, doctor, <laughs> and it can be anything. Um, sometimes it's real significant, serious stuff that needs to be addressed. Um, oh, by the way, doctor, I've been having this crushing substernal chest pain radiating to my left arm, uh, and to my neck that makes me feel short of breath and nauseated with a sense of impending doom. And I'm a smoker in my sixties with diabetes and high blood pressure. That's not controlled. You know, this sort of thing, uh, that we, <laughs> now some of you listening to this may say, Actually, you guys on Periscope aren't saying anything, but that's okay. You may say, wow, isn't that uh, kind of bad that you can have a whole visit and not come across that? Yes, it that, is. That's the point, right? <laughs> that's right. Tell the doctor up front. <laughs> well, no, no, not just for the patient, but for the doctor to not elicit it or whoever is rooming the patient. Oh, okay, so so how do you do that? I mean, so the, so the patient is waiting to the last possible moment to tell you, hey, doctor, something's wrong with me. Yes, so, so do you, is there a, something you can do to, can you waterboard them? I mean, is there, <laughs> is there something you can do to get them to tell you the stuff up front? Tell us about the rebels. That's right. You, you wear a long black cape. Yeah. The, uh, there's something called service excellence. Uh, there's, there's various names for it. Various people do it. There's the Studer group. There's some other groups. And these are principles that have been used in other industries, and now they're finding their way into medicine with both success and some criticism. Because some people say that trying to uh, get better, say, customer ratings, or in our case, patient satisfaction surveys, is not really true medicine and concentrating on giving the patient good medical care. But you can't do that if you don't have the patient on board with what's going on. Well, okay. So I, and before we get deep into that, could you tell, uh, give us some actual examples of, of doorknob uh, moments the door where the, where the patient dropped some major okay, like from stopping this, information on you? Like from this week? <laughs> well, I mean, without giving up, without doing any, uh, violating any doctor patient confidentiality. Yeah. yeah. You know, I gave the example of chest pain and that, that actually is a real example of, Oh, uh, after we got everything done and, and doctor, what about the chest pain? And, and oftentimes it's, it's those words are used. What about it's not uh, Oh, by the way, it's what about, you know, like, like we mentioned it and, and maybe it was mentioned to the nurse and just didn't get all the way to me or, or they thought they mentioned it and they didn't. So then, you know, it, chest pain, truly chest pain was, was one of the ones we had in the last two weeks. Wow. And 
you know, you have to look at it as, is this just an ache in the chest, like some inflammation of their muscle pull or whatever, or a little bit of heartburn? Um, Is it a dissecting thoracic aneurysm of the aorta? Is it a heart attack? Is it a pulmonary embolism? All these things have to be considered. And quite literally, it happened in the last, I won't say two weeks, but certainly within the last month, we had that happen. And so then you have to start all over. So, so did it turn out to be something serious? Um, actually, I can't go into details because yeah, it was yeah. a very interesting case. And if yeah. I say details, yeah. it's, it's going to be obvious. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah, it was serious. Okay. So, so it wasn't just a, by the way, I mean, it shouldn't have been a, just by the way. No, no. And, and what's funny is it was part of, this was a sick person who had a lot of things going on. That's the thing. Uh-huh. Uh, it, it, if we don't get patients with lots of medical problems infrequently, you know, like on a quarterly basis or even more often, some of these patients would have a lot of serious medical problems, chronic conditions. You, you can have, you're tra- trying to play catch up on their blood sugar levels for their diabetes and controlling their blood pressure uh, in somebody that's hard to control with kidney disease. And then you have these problems with their lungs and their heart in addition to that, that come up. So that's kind of where some of it comes from. So that's where being better at some people call it customer service or some people call it patient satisfaction helps because you're using the principles from other industries where they are good at satisfying the customer. And we apply that to patients and it does bring in principles that give better medical care. So yeah, I just ask the patient, okay, listen, tell me everything about you. Tell me up front. Tell me now. Don't surprise me later. I mean, maybe, maybe in less harsh terms than that, something like that, but Oftentimes you can get more than you can address in the time space that you have for a primary care appointment. We are not limitless in our time. It's not infinite as we would like it to be for every patient. So we have to come up with ways to address what needs to be addressed, uh, satisfy the patient also because they're not going to care about controlling their high blood pressure if they don't have symptoms from it. If you're not addressing their sore toe. Okay. You know, they'll, they'll throw out whatever you tell them go, he didn't make my toe better. My toe hurts. This I'm is going what to somebody else. In, this is what I came in for. Yeah, I don't, came in for my toe. Don't be distracted by my heart. <laughs> don't, don't be distracted by the, my blood pressure of 230 over ones. I'm sorry. Not, no, it was in the 220s over one. Already. 220. I'm, I'm actually thinking of somebody this week. 220s. Right. Yeah. He had no symptoms. Wow. Yeah. And, and that's happened before uh, that this patient has come in with because he has a condition that's would be treated by the specialist if he would see the specialist. Uh, that's a whole different issue. So you can see that th- this can be <laughs> nerve wracking at times, trying to help people and save them from having an impending stroke when their priorities are different. So our, our uh, Periscope listeners can chime in with questions. Oh too, yeah. They're on welcome the to, or, or if we're, we're talking to. about is the famous doorknob moment, the, the part, point where the patient is leaving the uh, exam room and says to the doctor, Oh uh, doc, by the way, excuse me, the doctor's leaving the exam room. And before he does, the patient says, Hey, by the way, doc, uh, what about this thing? I'm calling it door dog, dog, there. doorknob dog. Um, someone, uh, snazzy Fox wants to know if it's normal for hay fever to cause nosebleeds. So, so you're just about to leave the exam room and she says, Oh, Hey, by the way, that's what doc, this feels like. Is it, is, um, <laughs> is it normal for hay fever to cause nosebleeds? Okay. So yes, we've taken care of whatever she came in for, uh, he or she came in for. And then they say, is it normal for hay fever to cause nosebleeds? Now I've got concerned because I have to be thinking about 
this patient that we just took care of, say a musculoskeletal complaint, is now saying something about nosebleeds. They have nosebleeds. And so first thing that goes through my mind is, can it be related to what we're already addressing? For example, if they are having nosebleeds and I had put them on the previous visit on a, an, an anti-inflammatory medicine or aspirin, something like that, for their musculoskeletal pain, blood thinner. I have to think that maybe this is something I did to them and the care of the one relates to the other. We need to not use the aspirin or the anti-inflammatory contributing to the nosebleed and switch to something else to treat the musculoskeletal pain. Or it can be completely unrelated. They could be having a problem with elevated blood pressure. They could be having a problem with some kind of a blood dyscrasia or a disorder of their blood production that causes them not to be able to clot. And so that's why they're having the nosebleed. So these are all things that I now have to work out after having addressed their okay, musculoskeletal so, so eliminating complaint. that, though, this particular patient just said hay fever, right? So now they've, they've dropped on you the notion. Well, that that's, that's nice that they have a possible explanation, but I also have to have to separate causation and correlation, meaning, yes, your hay fever symptoms may correlate with the onset of the the uh, bloody noses, but that doesn't mean, that does not determine that it's causative of the nosebleeds. It could be. Okay. So I have to consider all the other things that we can't miss, because that's my responsibility as a doctor to make sure it's not something wrong with the blood cell production or something wrong with the clotting mechanism or something wrong with our blood pressure. So we have to check all those things and, and actually, I don't have to necessarily test for all those. I, I see the blood pressure because we take the blood pressure on everybody. As far as testing the blood, that's optional. If they say, yeah, I've had hay fever symptoms and I had, I've been having nosebleeds about the same time, then we go ahead and address the hay fever symptoms. And if nosebleeds go away, we don't have to do anything else. We don't have to do a separate workup for it. Uh, but more to the point, does, does hay fever cause, can hay fever cause Nosebleeds. If you've eliminated yes. all of those other things, you know maybe their their constant sneezing or the irritation from the histamine reaction or yeah. whatever. But but if it is from that, it would the nosebleed would go away once the uh, mucus production and sneezing is addressed. Okay. So uh, I wanted to ask Holly out there in in uh, oh yeah you read where she was yeah I just <laughs> want to ask her did everything come out okay we hope it all works out in the end yes it'll all work out in the end it always does. Speaking of which, I do have a patient right now um, with a unique problem. Again, I have to be careful discussing real patients yeah. and not get into too many details, which takes away a lot of the real interesting part of it. Because if I told all the medical story, it's so, somebody's going to see their it's story. It's a whole picture. But the, yeah, then it's a whole. Yeah. But, but you kind of need the whole picture to really get all the value of hearing this one interesting fact. And the one interesting fact is she had gone for years only having one bowel movement monthly. And it was very uncomfortable. Um, she, in other words, she only went uh, 12 times a year. There was a time in her life when that was the case. But I'm not going to go into the details no, of how no, that okay, happens right. physiologically in, yeah. in her particular case because it is so unique um, that it's just too identifying for me to talk wow. about. Yeah. But yeah, that, that would be... Well, in, in, in many ways, it would be extremely convenient, don't you think? <laughs> I mean, you don't worry about long plane rides or- <laughs> Or uh, or even a trip. <laughs> oh yeah, a long trip. Yeah. I'm going to Cancun for two weeks. No problem. Road, take I'm care on a road of it. trip, baby. Well, I don't know. Maybe if you go to Cancun, that'll take care of your problem. If you follow my drift, you know, <laughs> just drink the water. <laughs> Montezuma's yeah. cure. There you go. Yeah, not Montezuma's revenge. Montezuma's cure. Montezuma's right? cure. That's what we'll call it. Yeah. 
I'm going to send all my constipated patients on a trip to Mexico and tell them, drink the water. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. And and by the way, you folks on Periscope, please feel free to swipe right and share with your friends. And of course, follow if you don't already follow. Oh, and we do like the hearts. We always like that. Thank you. Well, no, that's me. Watch. So, my, See, I can actually do oh, this. Yeah, I can. I we can give ourselves hearts. You have gamed the system. I have. Look at this. Okay, I, here's, I'm watching. I'm, here, I'm guys, monitoring look, on Periscope. Look, look at Larry across the way. He is on Periscope, watching himself and okay. giving himself okay, hearts. <laughs> you cheater! This is like okay. Wait a minute. I the, see. But the there's Periscope a lag. police are going to come after us. Okay, there's a lag on this. One. I'm turning around. Okay, All right. back to now. Can you watch me? Well, it's on me, me now. <laughs> What? Man, how long is the lag on this oh, thing? Oh, yeah. It's, so no a, wonder we get the comments way after. No, that's me. It's still you. Okay, it, now look at that's it. That's me giving me hearts. There. Now look at it. Like that. <laughs> now watch. Okay. Okay, so we have incredible latency on the comments. I'm sorry to our live audience and to our uh, podcast audience also. Okay, yeah. so back to this this concept of the hand on the doorknob and needing to catch that before we go in. So we're, we're now a part of somebody doesn't see the blue hearts. They'll, they'll be coming. Blue hearts will be coming. And somebody says it's not that laggy for them. So it must be even within our own connection here. Yeah. And that can be. So yeah, go ahead and share to get some of your friends who are interested in medical topics. And we'll get some more questions uh, from a larger audience about this concept of doctors being better at providing care. So we have this movement Uh, My particular group is looking at materials from the Studer group and from a a guy named Beeson, Dr. Beeson, who wrote a book called Practicing Excellence, specifically targeted at making doctors better, not because of better medical knowledge or better treatment, but better in the interaction with the patient. And and again, that's, that's resisted by a lot of people in medicine because that's not the priority. The priority is competent medical care. Yes, absolutely. We want competent medical care. And we do have that. Get them in, fix their problem, get them out. But we, yeah, but we need to go a step further and it will actually improve the medical care. Like we said before, the person, if their sore thumb or toe wasn't addressed when they came in, but you did excellent medical care for their high blood pressure, which is the more dangerous thing they may not be compliant with what you suggested because you didn't get them. You didn't understand their problem. Right. Their perception is that you didn't fi- fix. Their you didn't do anything. Issue. Yeah. Even though you're patting yourself on the back, I saved his life from a stroke. So we have to have that connection with the patient that improved communication and also improved ways of actually getting at what the problem is. Well, how often does it happen for you where the patient comes in for something fairly mundane and leaves knowing now that they've got something a little more serious. That happens. The opposite happens too, where they're that, actually, that, it's a little bit harder when it's the opposite. Unbelievable. When they come you know, in with something appears to be serious and it turns out to be a nothing. When they're convinced it's something serious and they need expensive tests and referrals oh. and it's a nothing. That's the tougher one for me. I, I can deal with giving somebody bad news, you know, after a couple decades of doing it, it's my job. It's, it's always hard, but it's even harder to take somebody off the edge, <laughs> talk them down <laughs> from the ledge, uh, when, when that's where they're at with their, no, you're not dying with their bloody nose that came on with their allergies. Yeah. yeah. No, I have some kind of blood cancer. I know because blood cancer causes bloody noses. So I have blood cancer. Uh, 
and you can't convince them otherwise because they've got that confirmation bias and all the other biases that Hank Green teaches us about in his excellent uh, YouTube video called The Science of Anti-Vaccination. Yeah. I gave him another plug. Yep. Well, Hank, he, he should be paying. You need you. to say hi. At least shake my hand. Okay. Did you catch it? Did you catch the comment? No. It was I, purple. Yeah. I, 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 okay. Uh, Maybe you will see it way after the fact. That's it. So, so you're in a position to predict the future. I, I know what you, the comments will be. You can tell be. me what the comment will be before I even read it. Okay. I, I, I will be better about reading them then. And right. you catch them if, if I miss them. Did Holly tell us how everything came out, by the way? Oh, um, I didn't catch that. Okay. Nor I, did I. Not yet. If, if Holly is still... Well, she may still be so working busy, on it. She probably had. She to get may have her periscope. hands full. Right. Exactly. Oh gosh, I hope not. Because she has to hold the periscope in one hand. Yeah. Yeah. I got it. Okay. Yeah, All right. Oh. Oh. There. I just missed another one. Oh. So you got to catch these. No, I'm me. looking. I don't see any. <laughs> I don't okay. see any. But I also want to let our audience know that they can share medically speaking radio with their friends, both the podcast. Uh, and if they're ever on Facebook, on Medically Speaking Radio, or on Twitter following at Dr. Vaughn, these are different ways you can share this great wealth of medical knowledge and subject matter. So this Studer Group, Practicing Excellence, Service Excellence, it's, it's actually my job, part of my job now. I'm, I'm the chair of uh, something called the CPAC, which is the Service Excellence Physician Advisory Council for Sutter Independent Physicians, which is the HMO I'm a part of the independent physician association. So it's actually my job to make the doctors better at serving the patients and making the patients. Uh, Cause it, cause does that mean you can scream at them? I, you know, things, see, they say things like coffee is for closers and <laughs> that works for some patients. Yeah. Interesting point on that. There is a female doctor who's I'll say very tough yeah. in town. Uh, she works at another big group. Well, I met, I used to work with her years ago before I opened up my own practice and I have the utmost respect for her. And I met another doctor who works with her now and has worked with her for several years. And we're talking about her. I'm, I'm perfectly comfortable talking to, about you if you, you know who you are and you hear this, but no, I have the utmost respect for you. She's interesting. She's very tough. Mm -hmm. And so one of the stories goes, uh, and I'll tell it now, the patient said, she came into the room. He's talking about a previous visit when he came in for an exacerbation of his breathing. Mm -hmm. He had a chronic lung disease related to his smoking or aggravated by it. So she comes in, throws the, the chart on the, on the counter and says, you're still smoking and you're having this problem from your smoking. I tell you to stop smoking and you don't stop smoking. I, I can't help you. And she walks out of the room. Mm -hmm. Just left him like that. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. So he told, Oh, um, Todd Monroe is yeah. watching. Oh, good. Yeah, say we hi like to Todd. Hey, Todd. Here, I'll turn around. Is it true that hotter showers are healthier than colder ones? Well, what do we mean by a hot shower? I mean, this could be... If I'm in the shower, it's a hot shower. <laughs> yeah, get out. All right. So, <laughs> so, so did this have the effect on the patient? Well, that's that the thing. The, desire? The, the patient, is that Todd saying hi? The patient was so upset and he said, don't tell her this, but that was the moment that I quit smoking. <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't want her to know. And so I was talking about this other doctor who works with him, works with her. And he said, yeah, it's still going on. Same thing. I hear the same comments. That, that she'll, yeah. she'll just, yes. just get up in your grill. And, and as a doctor, we love it. Yeah. And as a patient, that guy hated it. But 
who knows what further morbidity and possibly premature death was affected by her tough love. Yeah. Well, especially if she saves it for the right moments. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. if you're that way all the time, it, it doesn't have the effect. Well, did you hear Dennis Bueller, our guest about uh, pain, chronic pain message? Right. Did you hear him say the same thing about me? Oh, the time you got up in his grill, you finally just said, dude, you're, you're falling asleep here in the exam room. And yeah. 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 So it, it does happen on occasion. So we're continuing to work on physicians to not necessarily be in your grill uh, about the smoking or the chronic use of the pain meds. Although I, I will say that has a place. There yeah. is a place but, for that kind of the discipline. the preferred outcome is that the patient tells you up front because they trust you and yeah. because you know, they want to get better. Yes, that's the preferred. Yeah. Uh, and, and the service excellence would never tell us, probably never tell us to take that approach. But I, I do think that there's times when the relationship is such between the physician and patient, like between myself and Dennis Bueller, who was on our show. Yeah. Um, what was the title of that show? Was it just called uh, Opiates or Chronic Pain? I, I, anyway, if people search for it at medicallyspeakingradio.com, they can find that show and see that there was a time when that made the patient better. And that was the thing that tr- triggered his getting off of these bad medicines. But for the most part, we're trying to teach them to be very sensitive to the patient because overall that is better for creating the relationship and getting things done. And there are times when you have to kind of feel what that patient wants in the relationship. Some people don't want the touchy feely. Some people don't want the doctor to be their best friend. Some people don't want to be given choices. I've actually had people on Periscope tell me, I don't want the doctor to give me a choice. I want him to decide. He's the one who went to medical school. He's the one who put in all those training. He's the one I'm paying a lot of money to. Well, that puts a lot he of pressure should. on the doctor too. I mean, that, and, um, and that's, well, and it's abrogating. It's uh, not that different than the old days, than the old Patri- uh, patriarchal uh, style of medical practice. Well, yeah, I mean, but then the patient's taking no responsibility for their own health. No, I, I mean, like giving choices about which antihypertensive to prescribe. Oh, all right. But they would be uh, compliant with it once you tell them to, because they come from an age of you do what the doctor tells you, right? Or, or they grew up in that kind of environment where they they just are very compliant. So there's, there's people like that. There's a whole range of types of patients, but what we need to focus on is working and partnering with the patient to give them healthcare that's consistent with their uh, values related okay. to their healthcare. We, we need a question from our Periscope audience or from, uh, from our other listening audience. Anybody oh yeah, they can Skype in too. Yeah, we, it, you can, on this subject or, or t- to toss in another one, you know, don't try to t- go too far, uh, you know, outside the lines. Well, but, you already did the joke. <laughs> well, yeah, well, that wasn't outside the lines. That had to do with patient examination, didn't it? You know? <laughs> inappropriate behavior in the exam room. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Inappropriate okay. behavior in the exam room, inappropriate discussion in the exam room. Yes, I mean, absolutely. And, 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 and as far as discussion in the exam, I suppose nothing is off limits. I mean, do not be too embarrassed, I guess, would be the uh, dictum. Don't be too embarrassed yeah. to talk oh, yeah. to your it, doctor. When, when, when you're with your doctor, don't be embarrassed about any, anything about your behavior or um, your body. That is the appropriate place to talk about all those things. Not necessarily, I'm going to look at Larry here and have you guys stare at him too. Not necessarily on Medically Speaking Radio, but, <laughs> but in the exam room with the doctor, yes, absolutely. We want to address those things. In fact, I will ask, if there's a, say, a, oftentimes it's a mother, more often it's a mother, mother of a teenage patient having their physical, yeah. a routine part of it for me is to ask 
the parent to step out and open it up to the patient. Is there anything else? And I will actually speak to them about drug use and sexual behavior. And what I do is give them the health reasons for not participating in those things. And in fact, I actually do give a uh, promotion of monogamy and uh, only sexual activity within the bounds of marriage because of the health benefits of it and long-term benefits relationally for all the people that they have various relationships with in their lives afterwards. Yeah. All right. So yeah, that, that, that should just about uh, whip that subject. Okay. So, all right, man, we still have people just now joining us. Like Sandra Shields just now got in on the show as we are 29 minutes and 20 seconds well, into the show. Has, maybe she has what the call Sandra, if the doorknob moment, right? She, she just, may be our doorknob moment. This is the doctor's about to leave the exam room and you've got that last question. Wait, 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 doc, before she you She says go, hello. Before yeah. you go, doc, I okay. have this question about the, this rash. Yeah, this is Sandra's chance to ask, not, not personal medical questions no, because the- no, no. uh, that's another thing I could talk about on the podcast version of this show here, Medically Speaking Radio, that on on the Periscope, every once in a while, we'll get somebody speaking about some kind of very personal, you know, my problem. They're, they're talking in those terms. And I'll have to kind of turn that away and go on to the next comment because it's not a doctor-patient relationship over Periscope. It's right. it, We just talk about medical topics like we do on the radio show. And it's kind of disappointing, of course, because a person was really concerned about this medical issue. But no, if it's if it's truly medicine for you, it needs to come through your doctor. Okay, so last call. Yeah. So we oh, and we actually have a neuro nurse. Mm-hmm. That's that's I believe it's Sandra. That's pretty cool to have medical professionals also join us. It's really interesting on want to do the periscopes throughout the week. They'll they'll chime in with comments on whatever it is we're talking about. Yeah, some of them are kind of funny too. Kind of yeah, inside, right. inside uh, uh, baseball doctor funny. Sometimes it is. Yeah. So, sometimes. Oh, she's in Montreal. Our international audience All still right. going with international. You can't avoid it with Periscope. So we we've enjoyed talking to you guys about uh, the doorknob moment, and you guys are always welcome to comment on the uh, blog at medicallyspeakingradio.com on the different posts, and you're re- welcome to send your fan mail for both Larry or myself to mark at medically speaking radio.com and to get the camera back on you. Yeah. I got the camera on me here. Okay. Sandra says I'll have to watch the replay or yeah, either the replay where you can see it or if, if you're not able to, and you can just get it off of iTunes when it's up there within the next two days, you can get the medically speaking radio podcast. Um, do be sure those of you who are getting the podcast and are on iTunes, please place a rating and we'll look forward to being with you again in a week. Uh, well, actually, the live show will be done 7 o'clock Monday night, Pacific time. But we will put out the podcast as usual at 10 o'clock on Saturday next week. All right. So until next time, this is... This is Larry Finney. And Dr. Mark Von telling all of you to stay in good health.